ladies and gentlemen welcome to quincy on the law my name is quincy and we're here for another episode of quincy on the law so today i want us to cast our legal lenses upon the topic known as the bona fide purchaser for value without notice now the term bona fide can be pronounced as bona fide or bona fides bona fide from bona fides opposite of malafides which is bad faith bona fides which is good faith so uh, but before we go into that, I won a case today at the Kibera Law Courts. It was a criminal matter, an offense of assault occasioning actual bodily harm. I managed to get two accused persons off. So yeah, it was a good day. But now, let's proceed to the main topic of the day. So the 11th edition of the Black's Law Dictionary defines a bona fide purchaser as one who buys something for value without notice of another's claim to the property and without actual or constructive notice of any defects in or infirmities, claims or equities against the seller's title. One who has in good faith paid valuable consideration for property without notice of prior adverse claims. Now, a bona fide purchase of a value is commonly referred to as equities darling and as you all know, as per sections, Section 3, subsection 1, sub, subsection C of the Judicature Act, uh, doctrines and maxims of equity are a source of law in Kenya. The term bona fide purchaser is predominantly used in the law of real property and personal property. The instant pod shall primarily address the doctrine as it applies, as it applies to realty or real property. Now, in the seminal Court of Appeal case of, of Uganda called Katende versus Harida and Company, decided in 2008, it, they, they tried to define what amounts to a bona fide purchaser. And the Court of Appeal stated uh, that what amounts to a bona fide purchaser for value without notice in real property is a person who honestly intends to purchase the property offered for sale and does not intend to acquire it wrongly. The core issue that is mostly addressed in this doctrine is whether an innocent purchaser for value can acquire, can acquire a good title over a parcel of land over a parcel of land from a person who had fraudulently acquired title over the land and thereby defeat the claim by the original owner of the proposed uh, land. As you all know, the right to ownership of property is protected under Article 40 of the Constitution of Kenya, which grants everyone the right either individually or in association with others, to acquire or own land of any description and in any part of Kenya. Now, in our statutes, the doctrine is embodied under Section 26 of the Land Registration Act. In verbatim, it posits that the certificate of title issued by the registrar upon registration or to a purchaser of land upon transfer or transmission by the proprietor shall be taken by all courts as prima facie evidence that the person named as the proprietor of the land is the absolute and the indefeasible owner, subject to the encumbrances, easements, restrictions, and conditions contained or endorsed in the certificate, and the title of that proprietor shall not be subject to challenge except on the ground of fraud or misrepresentation to which the person is proved to be a party or where the certificate of title has been acquired illegally and procedurally or through a corrupt scheme. Uh, to buttress that uh, section 80, 
subsection 1 of the Land Registration Act provides further provisions. I won't go into it. Uh, but we'd like to look at the criteria. What is the criterion of a bona fide purchaser? Now, as far back as 1996, in the case of Huntington Juki versus William Nyanzi, the High Court held that for a purchaser to successfully rely on the bona fide doctrine, he must prove the following, that he holds a certificate of title, that he purchased the property in good faith, that he had no knowledge of the fraud, that the vendors had apparent title, that he purchased without notice of any fraud, and that he was not a party to any fraud. So let's break down the criterions. What does it mean when he says that he holds a certificate of title? Now, a bona fide purchaser must possess a valid certificate of title from the Registrar of Lands so as to be protected under Sections 26, Subsection 2, Section 30, Subsection 3, uh, Section 35, Subsection 1, and Subsection 2 of the Land Registration Act. These are basically provisions that provide for the presumption of officiality when it comes to any document issued by the registrar, be it a title or any registered instrument. As such, this shall be presumed to be prima facie evidence in civil, in civil proceedings. That's basically the presumption of officiality, which applies to even other registrars like the Registrar of Companies. Once they issue a CR12, a third party is bound to have notice of what is in the register and bound to rely upon it as being perfectly legal okay now second criterion it's that the bona fide purchaser must have purchased the property in good faith the 11th edition of the black's law dictionary defines good faith as a state of mind which is consisting in honesty and belief or purpose faithfulness to one's duty observance of reasonable commercial standards of fair dealing in a given trade or absence of intent to defraud or to seek unconscionable advantage it must be shown that the bona fide purchaser honestly intended to purchase property offered for sale and did not intend to acquire it wrongly he must he or she sorry i have a stereotype he, he or she must lack cognizance of any inadequacies and shortcomings in the land transfer process now criterion c the bona fide purchaser must have no knowledge of any fraud. 11th edition of the Black's Law Dictionary describes fraud as an awareness or understanding of a fact or circumstance, a state of mind in which the person has no substantial doubt about the existence of a fact. Fraud is further described as, okay, fraud consists of some deceitful practice or willful device resorted to with intent to deprive another of his right, or in some manner to do him injury. So the bona fide purchaser must not know of any fraud on the part of the previous landowner who sold the land to him. On the other hand, we know allegations of fraud as against the bona fide purchaser must be specifically pleaded, particularized, and proved. The court will most definitely be hesitant to delve into vague conjectures and inferences when faced with an allegation mm -hmm. of fraud. Now, fourthly, the bona fide purchaser must show that he purchased the property for valuable consideration. Equity favors one who pays for value when acquiring a legal estate, and the same must be proved. Now, fifth criterion, the vendors must have had apparent title. The bona fide purchaser must show to the court that the vendor had apparent title 
that would not raise any suspicion as to their ownership status. In conferencing, the purchaser must undertake due diligence. The purchaser's advocate must establish good root of title. This involves doing site visits, a search of the title so as to confirm the real of the land and to check any encumbrances. Perhaps if you're buying land in Nairobi, you have to do a search at the Ministry of Lands. You have to go do a search in Nairobi City County so that you know who's doing, who's the, if rates are fully paid up. So, conveyancing would be frustrated if it required a purchaser to inquire from a valid title-wielding vendor where he bought the land from and who were the previous owners all the way back to the respective government grant. Well, I know the law states that you should know you should uh, you should be presumed to have acted rightly if you know whoever is on the certificate of title but it mostly helps if you can obtain the green card of the property that way you're able to establish the historical uh, root of title of the property now you must know that our jurisdiction operates under the tolerance system of registration which is based on the following principles. One is the mirror principle. Uh, according to the mirror principle, the register is intended to uh, operate as a mirror, reflect, reflect, reflecting accurately and incontrovertibly the totality of estates and interests affecting the registered land. The next principle is the curtain principle. The register should be the source of all information pertaining to the title. This principle is essentially reflective of the principle of finality of the register. Uh, the third principle is the insurance principle. This principle stipulates that any case of error or flaw in the register and anyone who has suffered loss as a consequence thereof ought to be put in the same position by way of indemnity as if the register were correct. They must put you back into status quo ante. This is reflective of the principle of indemnity. In essence, the state itself guarantees the accuracy of the registered title in the sense that an indemnity is payable from public funds if a registered proprietor is deprived of his title or is otherwise prejudiced by the operation of the registration scheme. The next header is that the bona fide purchaser must have purchased the property without notice of any fraud. The bona fide purchaser must be without notice of any fraud. There are various types of notice under law. I'm going to go into a few. There's actual notice. A purchaser will be found to have had actual notice if he knew of any rights affecting the land because he had been told of the rights or had found out for himself. There's constructive notice. A purchaser will be found to have constructive notice if he would have been aware of the estate if he had checked for himself. Checking would include all those inquiries and inspections which ought to have reasonably be, been made. This includes, but not, is, is not limited to, official searches and site inspections. A purchaser should always visit the property because he may be bound by the rights that may only be discovered by physical inspection of the property or by checking whether registrable rights have been registered as against the property. This includes something like a vesting order, a charge, an easement, a restriction, a caveat, etc. Now, next notice. There's imputed notice. A purchaser will be found to have imputed notice if his legal intent had, if his legal agent had made investigations and unraveled an inconsistency. This will apply even if the legal agent 
fail to relay the same to the client. The next point is in an inquiry notice. This is the type of notice that is also referred to as the smelly fish. If it smells like fish, then, it's then it probably is fish. This notice is presumed to exist when a person is in command of sufficient facts as would cause a reasonable person to make further inquiries. It must be distinguished between knowing something that will have stimulated inquiry or willfully abstaining from inquiry to avoid notice. <laughs> now, next criterion. It must be shown that the bona fide purchaser was not a party to any fraud. The bona fide purchaser must be clean of any iniquity. He must be without he must be without blemish, because he who comes to equity must come with clean hands. Remember, the bona fide purchaser is equity's darling. On the part of the party alleging fraud on the bona fide purchaser, the fraudulent conduct must be specifically pleaded, particularized, and proved. And you must know that allegations of fraud are not taken lightly and they are proved on a standard which is higher than a balance of probabilities, but lower than beyond reasonable doubt. It, will set, it is settled law that a fraudulent, a fraudulent conduct must be distinctly alleged and distinctly proved. Absence of any fraudulent conduct on the part of the purchaser, then the legal test as to who meets, as to who is, as, or as to who constitutes a bona fide purchaser, is satisfied. Once a party fulfills the above criteria and becomes a bona fide purchaser, then their title is absolute and invisible under the Land Registration Act, which embodies the doctrine of sanctity of title. Essentially, sections 26.1 and 82 of the Land Registration Act seeks to protect a purchaser's title to property if the purchaser was an innocent buyer for value without notice. The title to the property can only be absolute and indefeasible. The title to the property can only be absolute and indefeasible by the purchaser if the purchaser was not aware of the fraudulent dealings of the seller and if the purchaser followed due process in obtaining the title. The due process entails conducting due diligence on the property to verify the details and particulars of the property, entering into a sale agreement with the seller, obtaining consent to transfer, payment of stamp duty, payment of rates and other goings to the government of Kenya before and after the transaction, amongst others. It would be a bonus if you conduct a valuation report, to be a bonus if you get to see the green card and white card of the property, to be a bonus if you go and check the deed, uh, the deed plans of survey. So that's, the, that's who the bona fide purchaser of value without notice is. That's who equities darling is. So there's a legion of case law touching on the aforementioned subject, but I'll not go into it today. Let's save that to the next episode. I have some submissions which are late and the judge of the ELC is going to strangle me. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for subscribing. This is Quincy and this is Quincy on the law. Please subscribe for more.